So what I'm hearing is go to a tasting wearing no pants. <laughs> yeah, or crotchless, or crotchless chaps. The sheer number of lawsuits Zeno has for that is pretty impressive. Wait, is it just reserved to tastings? Or like, yeah. can I do it when I'm getting a free sample at the grocery store? <laughs> Also, sir, there are no free samples at this grocery store. You're just drinking out of the bottle. Please put your pants back on. Can you do it and just video it? No, you guys are talking to the future. Yes. Oh, my God. Is that what we're calling you now? Is the future? That's great, because I have a lot of things I should apologize about in the future. So this is great. <laughs> It's uh well it's 5 p.m. on Tuesday here. I know it's still December here. <laughs> <laughs> Golden, I don't think you understand how time zones work even a little bit. Yeah. Are, you, are you guys still in Iran? Oh, crazy! Oh, <laughs> low blow. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Denver, thank you for joining us on the podcast. It's good to have you. Well, it's just, I've still got burger in my mouth. Um, is, is that is that my last bite? Yes, you're done eating for at least like three to eight hours. I mean, we like our guests to eat the entire time that we enjoy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, randomly, we will leave to go get drinks during this podcast. So feel free to just eat, okay. relax. Hell, take a fucking nap halfway through if you need to. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I love naps. Fucking naps are the bomb. I don't know why people like think that you're really old when you have naps. I've had naps like all the way through my teenage years. I'd come back after tennis and go to sleep. Like Naps are amazing. Naps are amazing. But actually, I've got a question for the guys. When does a nap become a sleep? At what sort of hourage? Past 25 minutes. Well, I was going to say two hours, so we have way different. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like once you hit the nap where when you wake up, you're like sweating and you feel gross and it's dark out, <laughs> that's when you should have just stayed asleep. That's, that's Brian, my cutoff. Why are you waking up sweating? I'm very concerned. Yeah. What's going on? That's why I'm saying, like, once you get to the point where you're, like, sweating so hard, like, you were napping so, like, actively, Wait, that's when I you went to... Is that, uh, yeah, is that how I'm you saying. sleep every night? <laughs> nope. No, when I go to sleep or take a normal nap, I'm fine. <laughs> Wait, so you guys aren't just profusely sweating all the time and kind of, like, got the huh. I only have that one huh. really drunk. Are you drunk every day? Yeah. Welcome to Brian's life. <laughs> welcome to Brian's life. Which is that I actually don't even drink that much. So holy shit, I might have some issues. The life of Brian too. Yeah. Uh, right. Well, you know, it's it's uh, we're in the states. Our our healthcare only goes so far. So I got to kind of just suck it up. Does it go anywhere? Um. Okay. Cool. <laughs> All right, this is the Still Talking Podcast, our reverent distilling industry podcast with Colton Zeno and myself, Brian. And today we're doing news. It's the news. It's time for news. And we even have a very special guest today. Uh, Colton, you looked up. I am the special guest. It's true. You are the special <laughs> guest. Absolutely. <laughs> Give us some of your news that you looked up last week that we didn't actually take the time to bother with. No, I sent it to you. I don't have it anymore. Oh, you son of a bitch. That means I have to read again. 
okay. Constellation <laughs> Brands to spend forty million to launch Corona Hard Seltzer in the spring. God damn it! <laughs> I thought that was a pretty important news article. Uh, that is pretty big, actually. That really ties in well with all of our predictions that we stole from the internet. Yes. <laughs> you watch out, White Claw and Budweiser. What's the Bud? The Bud Claw? I don't know what it's called, but Budweiser has a White Claw similar. It doesn't matter. Corona's in the game now. It's over. Oh, man. Seltzer Market. That's all there is to it. All right. I'm not even reading any more of that article. That's all we need to know. Oh, my God. More <laughs> Constellation Brands information. Constellation Brands wine and spirit sales dropped 9%. That's not as good. So read that and then read the next he- the next headline I sent. And then, they- oh, my God. All right. Are these going to completely contradict each other? Constellation Brands jumps after boosting profit forecast. What the Same fuck? day, like 20 <laughs> minutes after each other. Wait, wait. Which one came out later? Well, I think the first one came on Mark Brown's email, so at 1 a.m., we have a bit of a chicken and an egg situation. Yeah. Right. They both came out same day. So yeah, it's a choose your own adventure. Do you want Constellation <laughs> yeah. to be doing well or not? It's up to you. It's I don't really, really up to you. Good for yeah. that. Batman select a quest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then you give me a sad one that I have to follow up our pithy assholeness with a really sad one. Uh, Kelvin, Kelvin Cooperage, president mm. and chief morale officer, uh, Kevin Mc, uh, McLaughlin has died. That was very that sad sucks. news. Yeah, that is terrible. Yeah, that is a bummer. So everyone yeah. buy a our Kelvin friends at Kelvin. We are thinking of you. Yeah, they're good. They're good people there. They're great people, and those you know those brothers did a lot for a lot of levels of the industry here in the states. Yeah, they had their hand in everything. Yeah. I mean, on the barrel from side. everyone to big boys to the smallest distiller and. They do they're they do innovative things like they do recharring and they work with people and all kinds of R and D. So they built a honeycomb barrel. They built you know a honey. That's right. Say. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the bee barrel. Yeah. The bee barrel. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's give uh, Denver some more time to finish his food here. Uh, alcohol trade group urged. <laughs> you still eating? You good? I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> okay. Okay. I've got, I'm going to do one more here. Uh, alcohol trade group urge USTR to end tariffs on beverage alcohol products. Uh, tariffs beginning to impact U.S. jobs and availability. So this is uh, Colton found this one as well as we just got an update from our friends at Discus sent out a press release on this as well. So it looks like U.S. jobs have been eliminated and hiring halted due to the current U.S. tariff on certain EU distilled spirits and wines. Uh, and up to 78,000 U.S. jobs could ultimately be lost if these tariffs remain in effect or increased, according to an analysis by the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States. So we're also getting to the point where submission to the United States trade representation by U.S. alcohol trade groups, I believe that deadline is coming up. So if you want to throw out some uh, comments to the USTR about tariffs, do it now. Uh, can I throw out some comments right now? Yeah, right now. Get on it from Australia. Yeah, I wrote an article on this, actually, and I think it's an absolute load of shit that this um, whole whole thing came from Airbus and Boeing, and it's it's been taken out on the spirits market. What that's done is reciprocal tariffs in the EU on bourbon, which is like reduced 
the uh, exportation of bourbon into the EU by like 28% in recent recent months. It's just fucked for everyone. Like I, I can't believe that the current administration has gone down this path to punish an industry that has nothing to do with the with the issue. Yeah, it's just, you know, you you take all the sort of what do you think of when you think of France or Scotland or America? It's wine, scotch or bourbon. Let's put tariffs on it. Yeah. It's just not helping anyone. Pretty much. Unbelievable. Anyway. No, it's it's a bit of a shit show. And yeah, I mean, this is in the US, discus is the one that definitely tends to lead the charge in terms of the tariff side. So it's good to see that we're all trying to unify against that because you're right. Everyone's I mean, it takes a it takes a chunk out of everyone and doesn't do any good in on our side of the industry. Totally, man. Like it's all connected. All the barrels, everything's connected. It's a worldwide industry. It's not just like independent of everything. So like those bourbon barrels have to go somewhere. They go to Scotland and then the Scot- Scottish fill it with a new may and then send it back as Scotch whiskey. I'm not sure if people like if the government there understands the connection, how it's all interlinked. So everybody hurts because of this. It's like, it's, it's a shame. It's that REM song, but in real life. <laughs> Which one? Everybody hurts. Losing my religion for sure. <laughs> There's our TTB comments. All right. Hey, yes. Colton. Colton, introduce our guest while I get myself a drink. I'll be back in a second. <laughs> yeah. So today from, uh, from down under in the future, we have Denver of Denver and Liley. Yep. Hi. Do I have to say something? Uh, well, yeah. Just, just say hi. hi. Hey. Uh, Tell cool. us who you are. What you do. Um. What do I do? So I do. Uh, our company does. What I'd like to say is probably the most research glassware in the world. Um. Both of us are engineering sort of background, and um, we did a whiskey glass, uh, like five years ago now. So um, and that kind of went pretty pretty well i guess around the world so um nearly every major distillery in production they would have one um and so i guess it's known amongst like the the geeks in the industry is probably the most technical and accurate glass um in the world for scotch whiskey and now we have a bourbon one and a gin one and a uh, agave one for mezcal and tequila and now also a traveler Yes, I saw the Traveler the other day. Are you going to do a Traveler version of all of the different glasses? Nah, that's going to be the only one. Um, that one, like, everyone knows us for the whiskey glass, and that was the kind of the right shape. But it, um, yeah, that one, I think that that's the only one that we'll do. There's no point doing, like, a whole bunch of different flasks. I wouldn't be, like, wanting to have a collection in my house of different flasks. I just want sure. one, so... <laughs> Um, it's just way more practical to have it like that. So what's the research process behind designing the glass? Yeah, exactly. Why did you choose the certain shapes for the certain spirits? Airflow, temperature control, um, and like to be able to sort of decipher notes and stuff like that. And then also the, um, the amount of air that that particular shape draws in. So it's hard to like explain, I guess, on a podcast without seeing the shape. But the shape is... Um, if you imagine a wine glass, a wine glass, that shape is called a convex shape. And if you change that convex, so if you imagine that shape, a wine glass, has circular airflow and air, because of that shape, it, it just goes round and round and you get wisps of smell at the top and you get a layer of um, volatiles at the top 
there, which is like the alcohol kind of sitting there with wine. Um, wine is a very low proof compared to like whiskey or gin or um, absinthe or whatever you want to drink. Um, but as soon as you go and put like a high proof um, liquid into there, then you're getting a massive layer of volatiles. And really what you're smelling, a lot of that is alcohol. I don't drink like the good stuff to just get smashed. Like I, we drink it to like to taste what the distiller's trying to do. It's their their artwork. Like you're not focused on the frame of an artwork. You're focused on the artwork itself and the inside. So um, we then created a shape which is opposite to that from the spirit surface. Um, so if you see like if you if you've seen our glass, there's like a hip line, and that is the ideal pour up to that line. And then you've got then you've got this. Um, I guess airflow stuff happening above that sort of bit. So you go from con convex to concave to an opposite shape. So it's no longer circulating, but instead it's drawing air in and drawing air out and blowing that volatile layer and you're getting what it's meant to smell like. So that's, that's kind of the short answer and probably people are falling asleep now, but yeah, anyway, there you go. No, that's a great answer. <laughs> or they're frantically in their car driving and Googling pictures of glasses. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also i've caused two deaths in this podcast <laughs> well i mean i think that we should provide the link inside the description of the podcast so people can actually look at the glasses themselves yeah, yeah. or not actually that's totally up to how this interview goes Denver. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fuck you guys <laughs> yeah <laughs> Okay, so what got you into glassware? Like, what did you see a need? Was it your passion? Like, what's the background there? Well, we kind of got into it from, like, kind of falling into it. Like, it wasn't, like, at the time, like, Lyle had a full-time job that was fine, and I had a pretty good full-time job. And all we did was really apply science to something that we we loved anyway. And it wasn't a money thing at all. We did, I didn't give a shit about the money at the time. It was just, like... I wanted a gift for a family and friends for Christmas um, and he wanted some for his family and friends and I wanted to sell some as well online. But the first batch was only meant to be, it was meant to be a hundred glasses and that was it. And so we did this, um, like the, the reason why it's like, I guess it's not actually expensive for what it is. It's lead free hand blown crystal. Um, but we, we went for the highest possible spec and that was the end of the story. We we just put in like a whole bunch of like, um, I guess engineering into it and uh, looking at airflows and temperature control. But it wasn't wasn't for making money. It was for our family and friends. It wasn't for the general audience out there. Um, and so the the few that we were meant to sell externally, those ones became pretty famous. Um, and we we knew like when we put it out that it was it was definitely the best glass that was out there. But We'd never spent any money on like marketing or advertising or anything like that. It was just word of mouth. And um, yeah, it's just rolled on from there. So we did that 100 glasses and that sold out in like 40 minutes. What happened was like a mate had a blog over here and he was helping us to sell the 30. So 35 were meant to go to Lily for Christmas and I was meant to take 35. And there was 70 and then so there was 30 left over. And I wanted to sell the 30 so that we could cover some of the costs of the first bit. Um and he was helping us out with an article just to sell the 30. So I went and did a Squarespace website. Um, like my first ever website is really shit. And then I put like 100 on there just as like a thing to fill out the, the form or whatever. 
Um, and he didn't tell me when the article was coming out. So this website was still in development. And then I went for lunch in, I can't remember when it was, it was in December. I went for lunch and I came back and then I had a look at the website and the website has zero stock. I was like, oh, obviously I fucked up the website. <laughs> and then I, I had a look at the website. It's like, I can't think of, I can't work out what the fuck's going on here. Like, why is there zero? I'm pretty sure I put a hundred in. So then for some reason I went and checked my personal email and I'd linked it to my personal email. None of this was set up properly. And then there was like a million emails in there. There was like, it's, it sold out in the 40, like I was, a, I went for lunch one hour and I think it sold out in like 40 minutes. And in that 20 minutes, there were 460 something inquiries and no one had actually tried the glass. Shit. Yeah. No one had tried the glass except for us. And um, we had professional help from um, Balvenie and from Starwood as well. Um, so, yeah, the glass was legit, but everyone had bought it off the photography. And I, I, like, I thought at the time that people had bought it just for presents because it was December. So they were just buying something for like a whiskey guy and they didn't know what else to fucking buy. So they just bought this glass. Um, and then we thought we'd test it in January. So we did a batch um, of a thousand end of January or something like that, or February for batch two. Um, and that was a thousand glasses. So 10 times the size. And if it failed, it would have failed spectacularly, but we would have known for sure. Um, and that sold out in like two weeks. And then we thought, okay, so maybe this is something. Uh, and then it's just, it's just gone from there. And now what are we, we've got 234 retailers in the world. And, you know, we sell like in Harrods and we're in Forbes magazine last year and Vogue Germany and, you know, fucking New York Park Avenue wines. And I don't know. It's been, it's been quite an amazing ride and I, I don't really know what we've done to kind of deserve it. <laughs> it's maybe we've done something in a previous, previous life, but fucking not this life. <laughs> Committed too many sins. <laughs> Yeah. Is it is the is the whiskey glass the number one seller? Yeah, whiskey glass is number one. And then bourbon and gin or well it depends on the region. So in the US bourbon is number two. Um but Australia's the gin glass is number two. Um in the UK Sherry. Yeah, I don't know, it just changes in the different regions, but always the whiskey glass is number one. What's your target demographic? Do you want to go after everyone that drinks spirits or do you have specific, like, is there a specific demographic? Pretentious douchebags, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, man, you don't know how many times I come across these dicks, like all the time. Like, I'm just like in, in different bars and stuff like that. And just people want to just like show how fucking smart they are. Like just, oh, blah, blah, blah. This like 1992 <laughs> bloody Glendronic. Yeah. Smells like bloody summer on a Wednesday or whatever, mate. <laughs> yeah, I just sit with these dudes and I like it's whiskey. You know what? Whiskey is not necessarily about like you might have like a bunch of technical knowledge and I do. Um, but it's I think for us and for me and, and Lily and we got into it in the first place is because um, and we were mates through whiskey and we've made a lot of mates through whiskey and like just sitting with family and friends, like in an afternoon or in a bar, just meeting new people. And like, you talk a little bit about the whiskey, but I think it's more about that actual human connection rather than, um, the whiskey itself. The whiskey sort of facilitates that and obviously brings down barriers. Yep. You need to design, you need to design a quinoa whiskey glass. We've decided. How about that airflow? 
You got to really damp down the airflow on quinoa. I need to take a pause. I just like vomited a little bit in my throat. Yeah. You're like, yeah, it's ex- it's shaped like a garbage can because it's a garbage can because that's where you're throwing this whiskey. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I would buy that glass. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> So Denver, you were talking about some of the some of the hurdles with the pretentious douchebags that yeah yeah oh, I, want to flex their whiskey dick yeah the whiskey yeah the whiskey dicks they're just like swinging around like I don't know it's just um yeah I don't, I, like I guess you know they're the ones who go and buy those expensive bottles and stuff like that and um and they're really really passionate about it but I think you can be passionate about it without being a dick about it um so I. I I guess my message is that you should just, you know, just pull your head in, really. Just think about what you're saying and just try not to be um, putting down people because you're not going to learn anything. Like any dick in any industry who's talking down to people, like just trying to show off their knowledge, I think it hasn't really got a spot in the industry, in my in my opinion. I just don't have time for them. Well, I would think that some of those pretentious folks would love your glass, though, too, right? Because yeah, lobster. lobster. Here you are. You, you're presenting them the best option to indulge in their greatest spirit that nobody else has had, right? Yeah, that's true. You're like, ooh, la la, this tastes amazing. Um, <laughs> Assuming they can get over their internal bias. If you've ever been to like a, a masterclass that I've hosted or something like that, there's there's quite a few like of those types of people that might attend a class. Like um, I do like masterclasses in all over the world, but I guess like hedonism in London would be a, a like one of the most pretentious areas and one of the richest suburbs in the world. But um, you get like dudes that come along to that, but I, I cut them pretty short, really fast. And then I think humility kind of comes out and then they, be, they become a human again. Like they, they're not going to, they know they're not going to outdo you. They're not going to be, they're not going to outgun the taste. And that's, I think, the plan when a lot of these guys come to a tasting. But um, if you just, like, show them, you know, you've got bigger balls than them, then what are they going to do? Like, So then they just come back and they're, like, regular human beings. And I, I really like that, the, tr- the transformation from the start to, like, the middle of a tasting that I've done or a class. So what I'm hearing is go to a tasting wearing no pants. <laughs> yeah, or crotchless, or crotchless chap. The sheer number of lawsuits Zeno has for that is pretty impressive. Wait, is it just reserved to tastings, or like, yeah. can I do it when I'm getting a free sample at the grocery store? <laughs> <laughs> like, like... Also, sir, there are no free samples at this grocery store. You're just drinking out of the bottle. Please put your pants back on. Can you do it and just video it? Look at how big these balls yeah. are. I'll do what I want. <laughs> I know more. <laughs> but look at the glass he's drinking out of. Nice. Yeah, exactly. He must be classy. <laughs> so besides the pretentious douchebags, what are the kind of you know hurdles and barriers to entry do you run into? Was it difficult to export? Did you run into complications with uh, you know meeting uh, production demands? Like what are the? It sounds like it's gone really well, but what are some of the things that have slowed you down, or maybe you didn't expect as a hurdle? Oh, mate, there's there's hurdles in like anything when you're going for expansion in any business. Um, so I still I consult as well, but um, yeah, like you know barriers to entry would have been like um like in the u.s everybody expects everything like the next day or within two days free delivery whatever so we had to try and work that out because obviously that's a cost to the business 
it's not just um, free delivery, but that's just the way that you know Amazon has taught people. Um, so we had to um, yeah get around that. So we like started last year, we ended up um, getting a three PL in Dallas. So now we have stock there, we can get it to people fast, and we have um, free delivery. I think over a hundred US dollars or something like that. So these these are things that you guys are used to. So but you learn that over time. Um, you know we have like there was a change of law over in the UK. Um, with getting stuff in and then they were charging us like inordinate amounts of um of tax and so we had to work out how that how how that works and then we had a bunch of people try to copy it in china um maybe nine different places last year um and we had to shut them down so it's just it's just part of the game like so do you have a do you have a lawyer on staff now who just kind of goes hunting for copycats we have um two of my mates are lawyers and i just run stuff pass them if it gets out of hand but I, I like to write those letters like it's fucking fun for me so just like <laughs> just hunting dudes like in words and just not saying like a direct threat to them but like going around it it's like that's sport for me so i just like yeah don't worry like i know where you live but i won't come to your house or something like <laughs> <laughs> This is not a threat, it's a promise. Yeah. Here's a picture of my balls. Look at how big they are. Yeah, exactly. You know how big these are? Here's a picture of me in a grocery store. Yeah. Drinking out of the bottle, yeah. So what's next? What's next for you, Denver? What's the next big thing? Oh, what's next? I'm not sure if I could talk about it yet because it's going to be in our – so I'm in New Zealand right now for our um, AGM. And I'm doing that Dr. Evil sort of, you know, he does that thing with his fingers, evil. Um, so I'm here for our AGM, but it's like really kind of a piss up with me and Lily. Um, and we're going jet skiing on Sunday, I think. Um, and I just bought another bottle of whiskey for the Saturday. But the thing is like, it sounds like it's just a piss up, but we actually take we talk about like financials and stuff and all that kind of stuff. But then we also do like a helicopter back from the business. And then we like look at the business as a whole and you can look at that in front of, in a, in a boardroom or on a, on a table, a normal table and talk about finances and stuff like that. But there are interesting connections. Could you do it in a helicopter? No, I'm not doing it. I'd love to, if I could do that. I've never been in a helicopter. Damn it. I want to do that. I would love to do a bungee actually. I wouldn't actually suggest that. Um, yeah, but you just like step back from the business and look at, you know, what's this business about? Is it something that I really love? Like what what's the future for it? Um, you know, what tattoos are we going to get next? Like all the important things. <laughs> but yeah, the other thing to remember, I think, which is like people don't really talk about it in business, but the connections you make in your brain, you can look at it at a problem in very at various different angles. If you look at a statue, like two people looking at a statue from different sides would see different things. And so I think it's imperative for most businesses to like the key decision makers within a business are to go and get fucked up. You need to go and get fucked up because you're going to make, you're going to see stuff differently. <laughs> and so like that's where we're scheduled for Saturday night to get drunk. And that's always helped us every year. Like you come up thinking about stuff in a different way. Um, and so that, that's what we're going to do Saturday night and then go jet skiing and you have different sort of stimuli and that makes you think differently about like particular problems or whatever you identify as like opportunities and stuff like that. So 
Um, I don't know if I can say on this, and you should probably edit it out, but like I have an idea for the business this year, but I was <laughs> the mountains in um, <laughs> in Mexico. Yeah, we'll yes. believe it. Yeah, well, it was like, it was awesome. Just, just the country you were in, nothing yeah, else. Yeah, I was just trying to be culturally <laughs> sensitive, guys. Like, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I did that, but that made different connections again. So it was... Like, oh, wow. And then came back and then tested it with like sort of sober me. And I was like, oh, this is actually a good idea. So you you're, you talk a lot about the organolectics of the of each spirit and the shape of it and yep. the functionality, the vapor pressure and all. So where, how did you guys, what was your background before that? How did you derive that this shape? I mean, because most people are going to look at a shape and not going to be like, oh, that's great for drinking whiskey. Unless yeah. they can specifically pair those two skill sets together. Yeah. Um, well, I studied mechanical engineering and industrial design, um, okay. and Lali's a production design engineer. So we did, you know, thermodynamics and fluid dynamics and a whole bunch of different stuff um, in research. And so just a couple of bums. Yeah, yeah just <laughs> just a couple of alcoholics, really. Yeah. Um, and dynamic dynamics. <laughs> yeah, dynamic dynamics. But yeah, like the science still floats around in my head. I don't do much of that stuff anymore but you know just sitting in uni and some of it goes in the brain so um yeah i guess yeah that's where the technical aspect came from and then combining it with like a few things that we knew from the experience of drinking um whiskey it that's how we sort of came up with that i can't remember what the question was actually but i think i answered it no 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 you did uh, yeah yeah you got it yeah okay. i was gonna say there was some kind there was obviously some kind of technical background that derived these glasses right it wasn't yeah, you know, you're, yeah. someone wasn't a communications major and then thought oh wow <laughs> <laughs> a fashion designer yeah no like i don't know the unofficial tagline for our companies we don't fuck around like if we, if you have a look at like our our traveler is like a particular grade of stainless steel that only we, like a proper engineer would know about, and so like it's double walled even in the lid. Um, all our packaging is designed for disassembly, and like you can, um, it's everything is recyclable and uncoated, so it's easy to recycle if you want to recycle it. But the packaging is also distributes forces, so if you see like the lid of ours, it's a shock absorber, and the bottom is double double thickness and so we've never had a breakage of any glass in the whole world ever in the history of the company like five years yeah i saw that on your site i was i was flabbergasted that seemed like quite a bold claim yeah we don't fuck yeah. around now that you now that you explain it in science words yeah. i trust it in words of science <laughs> so Hey, I just want to say, as a dude who came from the funeral industry and and became a publisher, I feel super attacked about the need for expertise in a field. I mean, I see where you're coming from, but fuck. Yeah. Uh, vulnerable, vulnerable. You know, you get to travel all over the world. I want to know what areas are you excited about the spirits industry? Like Geographically. What, what's growing that's sort of... That's good. Yeah, where, where are the areas that are sort of not not quite well known yet but are about to blow Iran up obviously <laughs> oh sure <laughs> I saw that one coming oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's the joke of the podcast so far that's very good <laughs> um that was, that was very good. good. Uh, the areas I don't I wouldn't say particular areas I think there are some people 
that have like a combination of things that just happen to be happening at their particular distillery. Um, but I, I would foresee it's, it's so obvious and I don't know why people haven't looked at it before, but obviously Mexico is famous for corn. Yeah. And what other spirit is made of corn bourbon and it's just sure. next door. Sure. Uh, and everyone's having a problem with bourbon out of the US. So I wouldn't be surprised in two years, three years that you'd have a very interesting few bourbons that would come out of um, Mexico um, because you could use like a whole bunch of different corn species that really don't uh, aren't really in the States in any sort of reasonable quantity. Um, another one I would say would be in New Zealand where I am right now. So um, I would say a very strong contender for our whiskey of the year would be Thompson's Manuka Smoked, um, which I'm, I'm just at. And I've, I've had it a couple of years and it just keeps on getting better and I've keep on forgetting to think about it again. But like, I'm just here and it just, I taste it again. It's just phenomenal. And it's all, um, all stuff made from stuff that's from New Zealand and New Zealand has like really clean water and really great air and, um, the, the produce that kind of goes into that whiskey and other distilleries are getting the same sort of stuff is really, really, really clean, really nice. So it's a really nice peat that they also get from the South Island here. Um, that goes into that single malt. Um, another region that I'd probably say kind, I don't know, is Sweden. Like they have box whiskey and a few other bits and bobs. Um, but it's coming along. I thought it would have come along a bit faster, but I wonder because their uh, maturation times obviously is cold, so it takes a longer time to mature stuff. Um, that maybe they have some cool stuff coming, but. I don't know. Um, another one I would say would be, I would keep an eye on Southeast Asia. So they'll kind of work it out, I think, in time. Like people like Kavalan and uh, what is that, Paul John or whatever out of India. Kavalan's from, uh, what is it, Taiwan, I think. Um, they're, um, yeah, they're big flavor bombs and it works for that market there. Um, but it'd be interesting if they started to do something maybe slightly more subtle. Um, so they what they do... They've got some interesting stuff going on with their, their casks. I don't know how much you know about the background of Cavalan, but it's owned by a big supermarket group called King Car. And they um, they will buy, like, say, a sherry barrel from um, Hereth or something like that. And they uh, what happens when – so just for the people that don't know, like um, when you put sherry in a barrel, it goes to a certain depth in the wood, uh, and then they'll empty the sh um, sherry out, and then you've got a seasoned sherry barrel. Um, what they so what other distilleries would do they'll just fill that with new make and then uh, it'll eventually get to sort of like a kind of depth in it and pull some of the sherry out what King Car do though they run a computer um, milling machine that will work out the the right depth to get the most influence from the sherry and they'll mill each of those staves back and then put the barrel together like that's fucking crazy shit but they end up with massive sort of flavor bonds uh, and then I guess one more region would be the. If they didn't do that, they'd lose fifty to sixty percent of their whiskey just in aging time. Right. It's so hot. No, no, no. Fair. They have temperature controlled warehouses. Everything is everything uh, is optimized because they've got endless amounts of cash. So it's it's a very very different setup, um, which they they can control everything. So it's. I don't know if Intel decided to make a, a whiskey. So it's just, 
Unbelievable. And then, yeah, then you have like, um, so the last region I'm going to mention is the US. So you have like whiskies like Glyph, if you know, out of San Francisco. So basically Silicon Valley went and made a whiskey. So they've worked out the chemical sort of molecules that make up certain sort of flavor profiles. And they're trying to do it chemically and synthetically without doing any sort of distillation. Uh, and then there is another one in, San, uh, in Los Angeles, which is um, the Lost Distillery, I think. And they make a whiskey called Abomination. So they're doing it. Yeah, Lost Spirits, that's Lost it. Spirits. And they, they started in rum, I believe. And then now, well, yeah. they're doing Abomination, which is like, I, I can't remember how many months it is, but basically a 15-year-old Isla whiskey in in like a month or two months or something like that. And very, very interesting sort of process. And if you taste it, it's not, it's not quite there, but it's like 80% there. And that means they're only going to get better and get closer to this like hyper-aging. They've been working on that for a long time. They started with rum. Yeah, that's growth, right. Right. They were, yeah, yeah, with um, 18, 18th century rum yeah. or something like that. Really old rum. But um, it's super interesting. I can get in all the technicalities of that, but that maybe that's another um, podcast in itself. But how that kind of works, hyper aging. It's it's phenomenal. Really interesting science. We got to ask because you're in Australia. How's everyone doing with the bushfire situation? I know that's kind of a cliche question at this point. You probably get asked about it all the time. But how are you doing personally? How's it affecting the industry? And just you know, us in the in, us in the states would love to know. You know yeah. Okay. On. So all all the cards to be shown here. But like I asked Colton if I could come on sooner to uh, bring attention to this. Normally I don't ask to go on any podcast, um, but. And I think in this circumstance, like it's something very, um, very close to us. Like I, I don't think people can understand the scale of it. So I'm in I'm in New Zealand at the moment, and the smoke from there, I you can smell it here. Um, it's and it's also hit Argentina now and, and Uruguay and all of that kind of stuff. So it's like there's been a a billion a billion animals that have have died. Like yeah, it's forever forever changed Australia. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of people were talking about doing something and um, and no one was doing anything. Like it's like we have this saying in Australia, all farts and no shit. So we decided, you know, to take a big shit. <laughs> so um, I gave, I decided like we're going to, we're going to take a direction on this and like pull people in a certain direction. I'm going to, I'm going to be the captain of this. So um, we decided we're going to do a fundraiser, fundraiser and, but we have contacts all over the world. So I thought, why not do it? a bit bigger and it's become bigger and bigger and bigger. So I spoke with um, some of our mates in the US and saying like, we should do something like, and they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, so bourbon charity are hosting an auction that's currently running at the moment. And that's, um, I can't remember where it's at now, but there'll be two rounds of this one. And this will go to the New South Wales um, fire authority and also um, another charity, which is close to close to our hearts in Victoria which is another state in Australia um, called Wildlife Victoria, and 100% of profits are going to that. So that's – it's nearly – I would say it might have tipped over 40000 Australian dollars in like four days or five days. Um, and it's got, I think, a, a day and a half left. So if anyone wants to bid on some like baller bottles that are in there, um, please do it. It's 100% of profits are going in. Like there's no nothing being taken out of it. Um, and then there's another one that will come after that. So if any distilleries or something want to um, donate to this cause, like, I, I would urge them to do that um, in, inside the US. Um, we're also doing another auction in um, Scotland, which is um, through Scotch Whiskey Auctions. And that will take place in about sort of two weeks. And we're having 
like a few distilleries are putting forward bottles there and some uh, like you know Ryan Chetnawad and so he's like the number one bartender I think three years in a row worldwide so he's doing a special bottling and there's people putting other bottles forward into that auction so that's going to be a pretty cool auction as well in two weeks and that's for the European region uh, and then in Melbourne uh, I'm I'm hosting a fundraiser before I shoot out um, to San Fran um, which will be on Australia Day, but that's uh, yeah, that's going to be another event, 100% of profits again with uh, uh, auction, uh, auction on the night and if, like if live music and all that kind of stuff. And there'll be another one in um, in Sydney, um, and then I'm doing, I'm hosting another one in uh, Mexico City with one of the chefs from um, Chef's Table and another nine other chefs, um, and the Australian Embassy, and hosting it with a dude from. Um, I guess the South American version of John Oliver over there. So um, that that should be a fun night. Another two hundred fifty people for a gala dinner. So um, we're just doing what we can. I, I think it's super important. It's you know it's our country, our people, our animals. So we have to do something. How are the fires doing? I mean, I know people will hear this probably a week later, but um, is it is it getting better or worse? Or yeah, I think it got better over the last three days um there was a bit of rain in melbourne uh and i think there was a bit up in sydney as well up in um, new south wales so i think it's a bit better but there have been new fires that have started um because like australia is a bit of a tinderbox at the moment um unusually and we won't get into talks about climate change but unusually it's it's way more dry than it ever has been and it's not even the hottest time of the year yet the hottest time of the year is in february um so it's 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 very unusual and i've seen the weather change in my in my lifetime um so it's just yeah it's just very easy for fires to start at the moment so it's um yeah i don't know it's i don't know where we're at at the moment but i know that they're still burning pretty strongly and i don't know what the weather is actually in australia right at the moment i'm in new zealand obviously um but i'd assume that it's warm so yeah, it's not it's not over, and we've got a long way to go before you know those fires are out and people's properties and their lives and yeah, animals are sort of not under threat anymore. This there's like if you just like Google emergency vehicle or something like that, you can see the number of fires that are out of control, and then there's fires that are in control. But it's yeah, it's a it's a big deal, and it's not it's not done yet, even though it might not be appearing so much in the news. Thank you for taking the time to share that. Do you have any calls to action for people in the States? You know, we have a lot of listeners here in the state, well, listener in the state, but do you have a call to action that people in the States can do to help out any particular focus we can just do? stay, stay informed. I would say like, if you can donate, if you can afford to donate, then um, donate to, to some of the bigger charities, some of the smaller ones as well, if you know them very well, but if you don't want to do the research then you know, um, Donate to like uh, Worldwide Fund for Nature or to the Red Cross or Wildlife Victoria, um, any of those because they all need the money. Like if you imagine um, a koala sort of, um, I can't remember they were saying is it per week or per? Oh no, it might be per month. It costs near sort of seven thousand dollars to look after a, a koala and bring them back to full health after they've been burnt on all the paws and, and claws and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's really expensive to look after these animals and a lot of them will have to be euthanized. Um, and yeah you know we need all the animals to kind of repopulate and all that kind of stuff and there's going to be it's like it's going to change the landscape of australia so if you imagine 
like these are some of these forests that are quite old growth and massive trees there um, and because of climate change now it's a different temperature so different species are going to grow now and without that um, canopy sort of thing these other sort of species are going to grow um, without being sort of hindered by sunlight and so it's going to change the, the landscape like it's it's phenomenal like what's going to happen in the next few years in Australia um, so yeah anyway my call to action is like support support where you can or even if you can't afford to like if you've got friends or family like you know give them a call in Australia thank you Denver well, you that. said climate change, though, and my president said climate change isn't real. <laughs> I think there's a sticker that's floating around the U.S. for the last few years called uh, saying, not my president. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. Or, or is it not my, not my not climate. climate? I don't, I I don't know how to. I, I can't. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I want to jump into that, but I think it's hard to say that there is. How, how, how is it possible in this day and age with all the science that you can say that there's no climate change? It's just uh, unbelievable. They, like even it'll affect the US like strongly, especially like places like Florida and stuff like that, which are low lying that, you know, all the, and they're going through flooding now. Like they've gone through flooding every year. And how, like this is a place that he also has, I think he has a, a golf course down there and also a hotel as well. <laughs> He's got a he's got a couple. Of it, yeah, like come on, man. Just even even your own people, your own properties. Why? Why? I mean, the worst the worst part is that you're gonna have to totally scrap all of your glass designs <laughs> and redesign them based on climate change. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, that was yeah. the first thing that came to my head. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> way, way to throw a completely yeah. irreverent wrench into that cold i love it <laughs> that's how awful we are oh my god days. the world's ending better change my glass around. <laughs> yeah. see the problem is when we have you know changes here like you said it happens in places like florida and you know most of the u.s doesn't care about florida, yeah so i mean that's really not our fault uh, sorry yeah. we love you florida listener <laughs> florida listener <laughs> Hey, I live I live yeah. in New Orleans. I live under yeah. sea level. So you won't be affected at all. Is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Yeah, I got yeah. levees. Do you guys have levees? <laughs> You'll need levees. <laughs> but uh, yeah, actually I well I'm not sure if I remember correctly, but it's also affecting like the fishing and the um what do you call them? We call them prawns. Shrimp. We call them uh, shrimp. shrimp. Yeah. Yeah, so like the salinity of the water and the temperature of the water and like muddying up of um, which stuff is and... wait. I just want to I just want to go back for a second. I think it's amazing that sort of the stereotypical American saying about Australians is shrimp on the Barbie, and you guys do not say that. <laughs> Don't even call them shrimp. Yeah, no, never, <laughs> yeah. never. <laughs> don't ruin this for me <laughs> and why why is the quintessential australian comment from yeah. dumb and dumber going? well that's you know right. that's where i consume all my media so <laughs> yeah. no well it actually came from an ad by paul hogan um which was an australian tourism ad and he said throw another shrimp on the barbie because it was targeted towards the americans so they would understand and that's where dumb and dumber got it from yep oh, yeah beautiful man. yeah but we like shrimp for us is is to is to describe something small so like those little fuckers that you get in like um in like fried rice or something at a singaporean place that's a shrimp 
But when we have like prawns, they're proper fucking prawns. They're like the size of like a chicken drumstick. Like those are those are prawns. You can't call that a shrimp anymore. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> All right, Zeno. We're about an hour. Ooh, there you go. Yeah, I did it. I got. It. I grunted us out. Ugh. I sure did. <laughs> I want to go first, actually. I just want to say that, Denver, you said something when we first started talking that has resonated with me. You're like, we were talking about tariffs, and you said, you know, this is a global industry. And that's such a great way to think about it. You know, when you're talking specifically of a barrel life cycle and how we're all connected. But I think that's why all of us are kind of drawn to the this industry, be it in glassware or a producer or a magazine for some reason um and i, I think that, that that really connects it's, it's connected and here we are talking to you and us and aussie in the future in new zealand in the future right <laughs> and it's because we all can align on this one thing that's so great and i thought that was a really you know a positive thing to to say and a positive way to look at it Thanks, Mike. Yeah. So follow that, bitches. Wow, that's the nicest thing Zeno's ever well, said. Well, I mean, it really meant something <laughs> to me, all right? Uh, yeah. That's it. Now I'll slip into a crippling depression. Yeah. Well, exactly. I'll, exactly. Yeah. But the thing is that we find commonality. Go to Trader over... Joe's and whip out your balls. <laughs> whip out your balls. I can't wait to. Yeah. Like, I'm in back in the States, I think, in two weeks or something. I'm going to try the crapless, uh, the crapless, crotchless. <laughs> Crap, crap. I can't even speak. I need another burger. Uh, yeah, the crotchless chap and buy my Cliff Bars. Vegan cheese, yum. Yeah, I was I was just going to finish up by saying uh, everyone should go buy and go buy at least one of every single glass that Denver has on his website because at the moment it goes to Koalas. Yeah, well, I didn't want to mention that so much, but yeah, we do... Um, we're giving a hundred percent of profits to um to Wildlife Victoria, um right now. I mean a hundred percent of profits. Yeah, not just like a dollar. Like I, I I hate this fucking piss week effort. So you go to a bar and they're saying they're giving a dollar, for like thing, to some sort of charity, but they're also leveraging like a, a fundraising effort or a disaster in order to make more profits. I, I fucking I just don't get that. So I'm. Um, so yeah, we're we're giving we're doing a hundred percent anyway. Um, yeah, if you want a glass, come and get it. It's a good time to get it, and it goes directly to a really really good cause. Yeah, and I mean it, it's also going to help. You know, besides just koalas, just uh, kangaroos support the Australian Australian craft spirits industry, which is more important. Yeah, <laughs> giant spiders and giant spiders. I know. Giant. Who do you think's making the booze down there? The giant spiders, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> A platypus. <laughs> they have all those extra arms and eyes. <laughs> yeah. Wow, we really fucked that one up. I love it. All right, I love you, dummies. All right. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>